Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In with your hosts, Megan Myers and Steffi Predmore. This week, we're chatting about drinking culture with our special guest, Susanna Brinkley-Henry. Stay tuned. Do you love listening to I'd Rather Stay In and want to support the podcast? Well, now you can. Visit our website or the link in our Instagram profile and click Buy Me a Coffee or visit buymeacoffee.com slash podcast. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can help us cover the costs of creating this podcast. There are no monthly memberships, and you can support us at whatever level you like, whenever you like. Whether you buy us one coffee, many coffees, or simply continue listening as always, we're so grateful for your support. Hello, Megan. Hi, Steffi. So I went and got my nails done this morning and ran a couple errands afterward. Um, I, well, (laughs) the guy that was doing my nails was like asking me, he's like, oh, you know, what are you doing after this? I was like, oh, I'm going to run some errands. Like I got to hit the grocery store and stuff like that. And he was like, he was like, oh, like what grocery store do you like to go to? And I was like, wow, that is a loaded question to ask. (laughs) me because it depends on what I need Uh, right but yeah so then uh I had um I finally admitted to myself that I am becoming an old and that being on my feet in the kitchen all day barefoot is like kind of a bad idea so I went and got some kitchen clogs so that I don't hurt after a full day of like recipe testing because that's a thing. Um, and then I went to the bookstore because they had um, a used book that I wanted to pick up. And I was like, um, hi. Also, the world is falling down around us and I need something kind of like fluffy and lighthearted to read. Um, also, I would really love if it was not written by a cis straight white person. Um, and the gal was, she's like always knows all of the things. And so she pointed me to some just super kind of lighthearted LGBTQ romance books. So I picked up a couple of those and I'm very excited to read those and not be hopefully depressed afterwards. The end. That's my story. (laughs) (laughs) Are the clogs comfortable? Because I always have questions about them because they look so uncomfortable to me. They're dance go clogs. Um, So they have like lots and lots of like arch support and such, which I have very high arches. Um, so I'm going to need that. Um, I mean, they felt pretty good just like walking around the shop. I'm going to be doing a full recipe testing day tomorrow. So that'll be my official like test of them. Um, I will keep you posted. I mean, yeah, they don't look, they don't look like where you're like, yes, these are going to be super comfortable. But honestly, I think what I mostly need is like some good just support. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that's what we, that's what we do out here. They also look very ugly. They're not the cutest, although I tried to just get some, like, plain black ones so that they at least are less ugly. Um, Yeah, they're not, like, cute, but you know what? I apparently am now old enough that I'm like, well, that's fine. (laughs) Also, like, I have had, I have actually had much uglier shoes for, like, waiting tables before because there are no, like, not cute, non-slip like food service shoes. Um, so right. I've had, I have had uglier. These are not as bad as some I've had. 
It's all relative. What's new with you? What's up? Uh, apparently, my dog has separation anxiety. Um, That's scary. We were we were away last weekend, and I mean, I was away. Like you know, from I mean, we like us. Yeah, you and not me. my family. Yes. <laughs> uh, and apparently, the whole time I was gone, she was very sad. She would not like cuddle up with anyone. She wouldn't sit on the couch with anybody. Uh, she preferred to sleep on the couch at night instead of upstairs in our bedroom where she normally sleeps. And ever since I have returned home, she has been like glued to me on the couch and or chair. So I've been, I usually, a lot of times I sit on the couch to work and I decided the other day that I would sit in the other room where we have some comfy chairs and they're like, they're good sized chairs. Um, like, I, I guess, I don't know if they're like one and a half size chairs or whatever they are, but, uh, the dog has decided that they are actually, uh, two creature chairs. They are human dog chairs. They're human dog chairs. Cause she has squished herself into the chair next to me. Like being every time like I sit down on the couch next to the chair or in the same room as you, it's not enough. We must be touching mom at all times. Right. Right. Like there's another chair and a couch in that room where she could sit and be close to me. Oh, absolutely. But no, not. she has to be laying on like right next to me with her head on my lap, which makes it very hard to type. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. She's, she's a lot. Yeah. Every time I come home from a trip, Cora is just like so far up my asshole. I'm like, girl, (laughs) I can't, I, I legitimately cannot. So I, I know how that goes. Thankfully, I mean, Cora is 11 pounds and not, you know, 50, but it's still, that also means that she can get into more annoying spots. Like on that top is of true. My desk. Like she can't, she can't uh, sit on my lap while I'm at my desk or anything like yes. that. So stick her paw helps. on your breakfast. Right now, she is sitting on the couch and just like staring at me with her head on the arm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad because you're in the other room. I'm all alone with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. God bless them. Um, so as a reminder, we are doing a book club. I'm very excited about it. Um, so next week, obviously we'll mention this at the end of the episode, but next week we're going to have our little chat about the book Tired as Fuck, which I keep trying to call I'm Fucking Tired. It, that's not the title <laughs> of it. It's sim- similar vibes. Um, the book is called Tired as Fuck. It is by Caroline Dooner. Um, it's excellent. We are both reading it and then we're going to talk about it next week. So if you are interested, uh, you can grab the book it's a pretty quick read um it's sort of this um almost like anti self-help book (laughs) a little bit um it's it's really interesting so far um but yeah we'll talk about that next week so if you want to pick up a copy from your library or your local bookstore or um on your kindle whatevs please join us however however you get your books (laughs) Wherever you grab your literature, um, <laughs> please feel free to join us for that. I need to finish it still, actually. Mm. 
I mean, if you thought I was done with it, then you have severely underestimated me or overestimated me, I guess, as a human being. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. I don't even know that I'm halfway through, so I got some homework to do, but we're good. It's fine. Like I said, it's a quick read. It is. It's just that I'm also trying to, like, take, like, make notes as I'm reading it because we're going to be talking about it, so I feel like I need to be... 10 times more present as I'm reading it than it's I would true. normally. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I did find some post-it flags. So I have been able to actually f- like tab flag some spots. Um, so that was very helpful in my life. Um, but yes, I, I do need to, I do need to finish it, but I was finishing up my other book club book. Um, you know, so <laughs> I'm only in the middle of 87 books at any given time in my life. It's fine. My to be read pile is enormous. I don't huge. trust anybody who does not have multiple books going out at the same time. It, my husband is really hard to trust because he's just not really a reader. And so, you know, it's fine. I make up for it, though. My He and or, or myself and Eden make up for his lack of to-be-read pile books. Because, <laughs> boy, howdy, do we have a lot of them. So, yeah. Well, one thing that has been on my mind ever since becoming a parent, and especially during the pandemic, is drinking culture. Yes, we thought we would talk about this with our friend Susanna Brinkley-Henry. She runs the cocktail blog Feast and West. Welcome back, Susanna. Hi, thank you for having me again. Good to have you. I know we just saw you, but it's like so nice to chat with you again. (laughs) Hear voices. Yeah, so you were on the show, you've been on the show twice, uh, you talked about color theory and typography, and that was about a year ago when you were last on, so what have you been up to since then? Hmm. A lot of things, um, I guess the biggest things around here is I, um, I left my full-time job to go full-time with freelance and my blog, so that's been really exciting, and, and we got a dog, and that's like, she's 66 pounds of anxiety, and she's... <laughs> something special (laughs) but um yeah things are good those are both very exciting things that we have enjoyed for your life (laughs) so okay so you know you run a cocktail blog and so we felt like this is a great opportunity to just talk about american drinking culture um and you know we are going to be talking pretty specifically about drinking culture here in the u.s because a it's where we live. Uh, also B, because it does seem to differ from a lot of other countries. Um, I know that the three of us have traveled around quite a bit and, you know, have been able to just kind of see the difference culturally and how uh, Americans approach alcohol and drinking versus other countries. Um and, you know, obviously drinking culture has evolved a lot throughout the decades. You know, we went from prohibition to, you know, across 100 years to now. Um, but there is always had a strong presence um, in this country. So can you walk us through a brief history of our approach to drinking in the U.S.? Yeah, for sure. Um, so alcohol is obviously, like, not from the United States, so... There, you know, like wine is really old and um, beer is really old. We don't own any of those things. But before the U.S. was founded, um, alcohol was really used as medicine. And that's definitely how it started in the U.S. Like it was brought over. You could get like tinctures and, um, you know, different kinds of mixtures that would supposedly cure you of all of your ailments. 
And that's really what alcohol was in the U.S., like from colonial era on. Um, but it, I think as people settled here, they, you know, started drinking for fun and, you know, would import wine and rum and things like that and whiskey too. And then um, a lot of people think that prohibition like started in the 1920s, but it, it was actually in the 1820s. Um, there's a like religious temperance movement that um, just kind of went around and was saying that alcohol was destroying families and marriages and needed to be banned. And so a lot of states actually did ban it before, um, before the constitutional ban in 1919. Um, but first, before that too, um, alcohol was banned for like wartime measures, which um, something I did, I had forgotten <laughs> when I was like brushing up a little bit. So um, after World War One, the president said that we needed the grains for for food and so they said they had to stop alcohol production and so that was in the 1917 and then they um, banned it officially in 1919 and I mean there were many reasons it was a lot of like public drunkenness and like not a lot of like laws about how alcohol was sold and uh, moved around and and people I guess were showing up to work drunk and there were factories and that was not good so there were just a lot of reasons that led to it. Um, and it, it did really help at first, um, but people really wanted to drink. And so it kind of led to more crime because people were bootlegging, making moonshine, making speakeasies in the basements of buildings you would not suspect. And then there was smuggling alcohol across state lines and like in, you know, into the country, out of the country. And there's, um, criminal activity around that too, like like the mob and things like that. So, and there were some things that were still legal, like medicinal uh, liqueurs and, and bitters. So, and then like, you know, maybe like cleaning products and things too. So people were making stuff called um, bathtub gin and moonshine and I know (laughs) Uh, wood alcohol is another one it's really sounds really exciting (laughs) and um and the the cocktail the idea of the cocktail goes back to Britain when people would make punches but what we know is like the mixed drink today where it really came out of prohibition because you know you didn't want to drink a lot of bathtub gin at a time. So you would want to like mix it with fruit or citrus or some bitters to kind of mask the, these really cloying flavors. And so that's, um, that's where that idea really came from. And um, then we had the great depression and Franklin Roosevelt was running for uh, president and he ran on a campaign of creating jobs and repealing the 18th amendment. And so People were really excited about that, and he was elected. And then um, people people think that when the Twenty um, First Amendment was created, uh, is when prohibition ended, and it actually didn't. Uh, some some states continued to uh, ban alcohol until nineteen sixty six. Um, I know where I live in North Carolina, we got rid of prohibition in nineteen thirty five. So it just kind of varied depending on where you are. And then um, 
like fast forward to now, uh, we still have a lot of prohibition era laws like in place in many states around the world, but especially, especially here in North Carolina, we saw a lot of them. And um, I, I feel like drinking for fun, like really came out of prohibition because people missed it. And it's kind of like something that has carried on from generation to generation. It's like, oh, let's have a drink after work or, oh, let's have a drink during work or <laughs> whatever. Um, and so I, I don't know, that's a, a long history, but I feel like that's led us to where we are now. I feel like in the United States, it's like a, it's like two extremes. Like we either mm-hmm. go from like, prohibition or like binge drinking and whether like drinking is fun or drinking is the absolute worst thing you could possibly do to yourself it's like it's just very very extreme so why do you think drinking culture in the states is so different from other countries i think i think a lot of it has to do with prohibition and i think a lot of it has to do with our drinking age like our drinking age is 21 and in most countries it's a lot sooner than that. Uh, United States is one of the oldest drinking ages in the world. Some Asian countries, I think, have 25 as the drinking age, um, but most countries are like 16, 18. Um, and I think that makes a big difference because you're at home and your parents can teach you how to drink responsibly. Mm-hmm, I know yeah. that like my family, my mom's family is from South Africa and the drinking age there is 18. And I I was always allowed to partake because it was legal there. So when I was a teenager and it was just nice because you were expected to be an adult, you're expected to be mature about it. And that was because you're, you had to answer to your mom or <laughs> to your grandma or whoever. <laughs> and I think that makes a really big difference because here it's like, you know, go to college, have a 21st birthday. That's, that's insane. And go crazy and binge and that just sort of is the norm i feel like it's just it's cultural because of the laws we have in place yeah i think too like i think you know in so many european countries um for example it's so normal to have a glass of wine with dinner Mm -hmm. and it's not or a beer you know maybe you're in germany and maybe it's beer um but like just not even on like a special occasion or you're out to dinner or something like it's just super common. And so I know a lot of people that grew up in Europe and like, even as uh, kids, like, you know, not like five, but like, even as like young teenagers, it was not uncommon for them to have a glass of wine, you know, with like a holiday dinner with their family um, or, you know, take sips of their parents' wine or beers or whatever. So like, I think that's right. Like it's something that is just normalized. They're taught how to drink responsibly and it's not this like taboo thing that then, oh my gosh, I have to do it secretly and no one's taught me how it's just, you know, in so many ways, it's not unlike sex or like if you're not taught, like, okay, here's like all of these things that you need to know about being safe. Um, and that is, you know, all, you know, you can just completely go too far um, without even realizing that you're doing that. Exactly. I really think it's because of the, the taboo quality. Like yeah. it, if you put a rule in place, it's just asking to be broken, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. I mean, look at, like, even there's so many, like, southern states 
that are still so weird about like how you can buy alcohol. It's not that they're not drinking. It's just like even just buying it is super annoying. I know that you feel this pain mm-hmm. a lot living in North Carolina, but there's a there's a lot of states in the South that, and we don't typically encounter that here, at least in the Midwest. Like, um, there's a occasionally there will be stores where you can't buy alcohol before noon on Sundays, but that even is kind of disappearing. Um, and so, yeah, there's just this like even even buying it at the store is a pain in the ass. So how would people not like see that as being a little bit taboo? Yeah. Right. When we went to Arkansas last summer, the place we were staying at is a a county where you can't buy alcohol at all. And so mm-hmm. everyone had to like buy it ahead of time and bring it and then I had to like guys, you have to like parcel out like what you're going to drink over this vacation because there's nowhere to go to buy more. Yeah. Yep. And we have, we can't buy liquor on Sundays here. Very recently, like in the last couple of months, you can now buy liquor at the distillery on a Sunday, which is like, I remember a few years ago, you couldn't even buy liquor at the distillery, but there's so many distilleries in North Carolina now that they're trying to support them any way they can. So I'm really proud of North Carolina for making these strides, but we're still so behind in a lot of ways. Um, Just a few years ago, you couldn't buy alcohol at a restaurant before noon on Sunday. So like if you were at brunch at 1130, you could not get a cocktail until 12 and you'd be you'd be asking the waitress like, can you bring me a mimosa like at noon? And then they would ring a bell and (laughs) and they would bring out all the mimosas and everyone would cheer like Again, that's like, so an example. That just it's went not away. like no one's drinking. It's not like like in North Carolina, everyone's just like, mm, I'm just not going to drink, so it doesn't matter. Like, clearly people are ordering. Yeah. Oh, God. It makes yeah. no sense. We don't even have happy no hour here. There's no, um, you can't have a special for a couple of hours. If you have, if your bar has a, a special, you have to offer it for the entire day. So, if, like, if it's like lo- all, local pints are on sale on Mondays or for $5 or whatever, then um, you have to offer that discount the entire day. You can't just do it for like from four to six. And as sure, always, sure. whenever I go anywhere, I'm like, Oh, you can, this deal is only good until six. This is so interesting. <laughs> like <laughs> it's honestly wild. You know, I also, I was thinking too, like, cause like, like I, you know, and I've traveled a number of places, but particularly within Europe and, like, I feel like Americans are just way more stressed out <laughs> um, than Definitely. a lot of Europeans. Um, our work culture sucks. Um, you know, like, we get, like, 10 days of vacation a year, and Europeans are like, I'm going to go on vacation for six weeks, eight weeks. Goodbye. You will not hear from me. Um, so I even think just, like, things like that make a difference. Oh, for sure. I mean, even I remember the last time I was in uh, London, people would like, like it's lunchtime. Everyone just goes to the pub and like has a beer with their lunch. And I'm like, what is happening? Like you can just go drink with your lunch and it's totally normal and expected. And you just go back to work because you're just having a beer. You're not getting drunk. I mean, even like in Spain, one of the first things when I studied abroad, like one of the first things they told us was like, okay, when you go to the bars and clubs here, like the pours are going to be really heavy. 
like if you're gonna order a rum and coke it's gonna be mostly rum and a little bit of coke like just so like that was definitely different but also they didn't make a big deal about drinking so like Mm -hmm. if i was out with my friends and we were like talking to some like locals um and honestly i encountered this i think in pretty much every country maybe except for ireland um but if i just didn't feel like drinking that night they would be you know hey can i buy you a drink oh you know what actually i'm not drinking tonight and they'd be like okay no follow-up questions it was not a big deal versus if i'm out with my friends in the states and i'm not drinking like it is so common for people to then be like well why not like there's like follow-up questions we can't just like let it lie are you okay right like are you okay (laughs) or like well are you driving like oh you're not driving then why aren't you like there's there's like this pressure that i have not felt in a lot of other situations outside of the u.s when i'm like "Eh, i don't really feel like drinking tonight and they're like okay that's fine so it's it's very like that is very interesting to me that like different that dichotomy of like okay we're gonna like make these really strong drinks but also like if you don't want to drink them we don't give a shit (laughs) whatever also the bars close so much earlier in other countries at least the countries that i've been to like they close at like 11 oh well not and the only way they can stay open later is if it's like a club oh yeah but Mm -hmm. in england like especially pubs just they just close early and then you're like if you're from the states you're like well what am i gonna do for like the next three hours because i'm used to drinking until two well then you better go to a club and also dance it off (laughs) right (laughs) exactly yeah i it is so it's so interesting because i mean we're so used to it here it doesn't even i don't know it doesn't even phase us in a lot of ways which i think is um getting to be kind of problematic you know one of the things that we and why when i say we i mean megan and myself and also susanna because she's our friend so we know this uh one of the (laughs) things we absolutely hate is the concept of like quote mommy wine time or mom juice and it's supposed to be lighthearted, but (laughs) i can't see we can't even like say it without megan just having a reaction uh it's supposed to be lighthearted, but it promotes this idea that you can't parent without like drinking to survive and there are so many products like you can go to target you can go to on etsy you can go literally to just like shops that sell little kitschy things and there's going to be t-shirts and travel wine cups and coffee mugs that say like this is probably wine or you know like any like just merch like booze merch um and it's so weird it is so weird and it feels so problematic yeah yeah i agree it's like i'm not a parent so i can't relate to how difficult it might be but it's just in general like promoting this idea of you know being tipsy to enjoy something serious or something that could be fun even without alcohol it's just it is problematic because just mm-hmm. almost promoting alcoholism but it's mm-hmm. masked by its pink and its in script font and, and you know it, and... yes right or it's like a yes. wine cooler or it's a seltzer and so it's not that bad right it makes me think of back you know in the the stereotype of like you know Mad Men era and 
the 50s and 60s when like literally everybody was drinking all the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also spoiler alert like all of our grandparents were like our grandmothers especially were like on methamphetamines to get through the day (laughs) yes (laughs) so like I don't really feel like that is a great ideal to go back to and it's just always confusing to me where people are just like oh you know it'll be 11 a.m. and they're like wish it was time for a drink and I'm like you guys maybe maybe think of other things like I know one of the reasons why we enjoy drinking so much is that it like releases endorphins and it makes you happy but it's when you get like past just the enjoyment of the drink it's too much escapism I feel like right and I, I do think like when we flippantly say things like, Ugh, gonna need like a whole bottle of wine to get through this tonight, or like, I don't know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, a, I think there, I think there's two, there's two sides to this, right? Like, either A, you're saying that jokingly, but like, you really do need it. Um, so you're trying to, in some ways, like, mask. A problem that you may have um but also maybe that's not maybe that maybe you really are just like joking about it but f- somebody you're talking to might really struggle with alcohol consumption and mm-hmm. alcoholism and so um you know I feel like it just adds to this pressure like well, you should be drinking you have to drink to enjoy yourself you have to drink to enjoy your life you have to drink to get through stressful things like instead of uh learning other like healthier coping mechanisms because parenting is stressful like i've said it so many times but that doesn't mean that it's just okay to just like drink yourself into a stupor every night after your kids go to bed either right yeah so how how do we reconcile this messaging that we get from advertisements and just pop culture in general about drinking and with the knowledge of how it causes harm for people. I think you... How do we balance that, like, whole thing? (laughs) Yeah. I think you have to be really self-aware and have limits for yourself. Um, Speaking personally, like, I have a personal rule that I don't drink when I'm sad. I just don't. Like, we, um, we had to put our kitty to sleep recently, and I was just like, I'm not drinking this whole week. I'm just not. Like, I just... I'm sad about it and I'm not going to open a bottle of wine. And if I am thirsty, I can have a glass of water or I have a kombucha in the fridge or I have sparkling water. Like There are so many other delicious beverages that don't have alcohol in them that you can partake in. And I think just keep some of those on hand, like have a pack of ginger ale in the pantry or whatever. That's just something that you enjoy that you can have when you feel like you are thirsty or you want to drink but you don't want to have alcohol right now um I also try not to drink like if I've got an important meeting the next day or of just trying to be I try to be aware of like I should celebrate this or like I deserve a treat but you know where's the line it's personal for everybody and different for everybody so just think about yourself and what rules you would like to have and I think that that's how everyone should approach the balance is just you know think about what your own boundaries should be 
Yeah. Um, as a general rule, for example, like as a general rule, I don't take shots. It's not to say I never have, oh, God. <laughs> but like, I just don't like, I don't typically like shots anyway. And they get me too drunk too fast. Mm-hmm. So I choose not to one. do that for the most part. So I think there's lots of ways. I think you're right. There's lots of ways to like set the boundaries and figure out what is going to be the right boundary for you. Yeah. I think also right. it kind of speaks like the the fact that we have rules about not drinking while sad, while a lot of people, when they're sad, they turn to drinking. I think that that really speaks to like the whole Americanness of it mm-hmm. because Americans like very famously do not want to feel their feels mm-hmm. and that alcohol is like a huge player in that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I have absolutely been in places in my life where like I have gone out and when I was really sad and been like, fuck this shit, I'm getting <laughs> shit faced tonight. And I always regret it. Not because I do anything stupid, but like I wake up the next morning feeling like ass. And then I wake up the morning after that still feeling like ass. And maybe the morning after that feeling like ass. <laughs> so like, I finally was like, this is stupid. Like, and I feel my feelings very strongly. Like there's nothing that makes me stop feeling my feelings. And, but also it doesn't make me less sad. I just, feel sad yeah. but I'm like more amplified sad so mm-hmm. that for me I'm like oh no we're not doing that anymore that's not a mm-mm. yeah or also to just like have something else that makes you happy like yeah a craft or a book like something that you would enjoy doing that is not drinking yeah, right. I think it's important to find those things for yourself whatever they are Absolutely. I totally agree with that. You know, there's a lot of reasons why people might not want an alcoholic drink um, besides being sober, like having like an alcohol, a problem with alcohol and drinking. They just might choose not to for any number of reasons. So Susanna, like what are some good ways to be tactful about the situation if you're a host? Um, or if you're the person abstaining, I know that you like to, um, you're an excellent host. You love to entertain. So like as a hostess, what are some of the ways that you try to be tactful um, for people who are choosing not to drink? Yeah. You want to have lots of options if you're hosting. So it think, I think it's rude to just offer, like, offer somebody water or soda. Like be a little bit more creative than that because if you're not drinking, for any reason you it's easy to feel like your options are limited mm-hmm. and I think it's always really nice to think about those people even if you don't know who they are before they come just maybe it's making a fancy water like a spa water with you know food in it or having a non-alcoholic version of whatever cocktail you're serving like I um I often serve Moscow mules when people come over just because well I like to drink them they're easy to make and you can make them with so many different kinds of liquors. Like you can make them with rum or vodka or bourbon or so many things. But I also keep some zero proof spirits on hand. So I could make somebody like one that has faux gin or faux whiskey mm-hmm. in it. And it could still taste like a drink, but it has no alcohol in it at all. Um, so I have that as an option. Sometimes I'll just have like sparkling wine or some choices of flavored sparkling water and just you know give them the choices like here's here's everything I have that you can choose from what what would you like rather than just being like oh you know drinking here's a water you know just give them give them the choice and I think they'll be 
happy with choices. You only, you only need a few choices, but like maybe two or three, but just the option mm-hmm. of there's so many things I could drink will make the person feel comfortable. And, and also don't ask, don't ask like, Ooh, are you pregnant? Like don't. Yeah, please don't ask that question. That is so fucking triggering. God, I cannot tell you how many times I've been asked that. And I'm like deep Mm -hmm. in the middle of fertility treatments. And that's why I can't drink. And I'm like, I hate, I hate you. I literally hate you. It's the worst. There's so many reasons. It could be medication or, you know, they're not, they're driving or they're struggling with alcoholism or they just don't want to talk about it. Like, just don't, don't, don't ask. I uh, I really appreciated Megan hosted Thanksgiving this year for us. And like one of our friends that was there um, is uh, pregnant and Megan had some spa water and she had some like hot cider and things like that. So like, even though we did have some wine and some beers available, like our friend and also, you know, like the kids um, had an option that wasn't just like, here's your sad water. Um, But, you know, (laughs) I I also like there are so many really good um, like syrups and non-alcoholic mixers on the market these days, like really cool flavors, really delicious ones that you can mix with sparkling water or uh, ginger ale or seven up or you know whatever it might be without even having to have like a zero proof liquor or something in there um that can make just make you feel like you're having a really special drink um so i we we you and I don't know how why i'm saying it this way the three of us plus our other friend sam were out uh last week when we were together and I was like, okay, like I've had, a, I've had enough, uh, alcohol. <laughs> I'm gonna switch to weed. Um, but I was like, okay, I'm done with like drinking. And so we were at Cabra in Chicago and I was like, you know, what non-alcoholic options do you have? And they were like, oh, we can make, you know, this cocktail that a couple of you guys had ordered. Um, we can just make it without the tequila and it was delicious. It was so good. And they still put it in a pretty glass. It looked like I was having the same drink as you guys. Um, but I, it wasn't alcoholic. So I felt like, cause I've, I have been again, like that person out of the bar and the only thing I can get is like soda or like a ginger beer, but they don't even like zhuzh it up. They're literally just like, here's your ginger beer in like a water glass. And it's so <laughs> obvious that you're not drinking. And then people are like, why aren't you drinking? Why are you just drinking ginger beer? I'm like, fuck off. If you're they either lucky, do that or they give you a Shirley beer. Temple. Right, if you're lucky. Right. Yes. Yeah. It, otherwise, it's like, here's some some club soda here's right mm. i'm like mm, gross tonic water mm-hmm. <laughs> by itself yeah no thank you not interested in that yeah i also feel like so they'll sometimes just make you a shirley temple and you're like here is a bright pink like flag that says i'm not drinking right now right and also yeah. i'm seven years old like exactly <laughs> Cool. My kids do love a Shirley Temple, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I mean, too. Me, it's a but... kids' drink, but and it looks like they don't. Again, like they don't. Like Susanna said, like it's not even like they even put an effort to make it not look like it's a kids' drink when they hand it mm-hmm. to you. You're like, cool. right? Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Cool. At you least if you're gonna me... give me a club soda, like put a lime in it, like something. <laughs> yeah. Um, you asked me earlier, like a way that somebody could um, be tactful if they're the person abstaining. Yes. And. I would 
I have a friend who will bring a koozie in her purse, and when she was pregnant, she just, like, always popped her spindrift in a koozie, and, like, nobody asked any questions, and I thought that was so smart. It was, like, she's just, she just has this ready to go, and it just is sort of hiding the fact, and, like, I don't think you should have to hide it, but it certainly, like, helps her to not have any questions, and sometimes Mm -hmm. she would even, like, bring her own sparkling water, like, just to hang out, and she's just, like, I just... I would just rather have this. And that was her answer. And so I thought that was so smart. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something you could do is just, you know, bring something um, or be creative with whatever ingredients somebody has at their house. Like if they weren't thoughtful, that sucks. But, you know, is there, can you pour yourself a ginger ale or, um, you know, kind of make it, make your own cocktail, mocktail out of what they have to make drinks with? I don't know. There's just some some options for you yeah for sure especially I think if they have like a really well-stocked bar um like like I think about your bar at your house like I feel like I could just be like hey do you mind if I just like kind of play around and like make myself something and like they're probably gonna be like yeah that's cool and then you can just make whatever without especially like if you aren't comfortable and I think I think like you know I think in so many situations it is totally fine or it should be totally fine for you to say like, Hey, do you have any like non-alcoholic options or, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to feel like you can ask, but if for some reason you don't feel like you can bring it, you want to bring attention to it. um, That is absolutely your choice. And so, you know, I think that just kind of, you know, like you said, just sort of being able to just say like, Oh, Hey, you know, do you mind if I just kind of mix myself something and, and you can kind of make whatever you want without saying anything if that is not something that you feel comfortable with. For sure. So like Stephanie said, you know, places like Cabra and some other places, like they'll just, you know, take a cocktail and turn it into a non-alcoholic cocktail. There are some places that actually have non-alcoholic cocktail, mocktail situations like on their menus. There was a restaurant that we went to in Minneapolis and they had all these different like uh iced tea varieties basically like basically like iced tea cocktail or iced tea mocktail things and they were delicious um so that was a really good option too and so there's all these companies kind of jumping in on this trend like they're seeing that people want more non-alcoholic options and there's a lot of zero proof brands popping up Mm -hmm. and so i was wondering if you had any favorites that you recommend Oh, yeah. So the ones I have at my house right now are by Ritual, uh, Ritual Zero Proof. And they have, I think they're they're my favorite right now. I certainly haven't tried a ton of them, and I'm, but I'm working on it. Uh, Liars or Leers, it's spelled like the musical instrument, um, is another brand. They have like a non-alcoholic coffee liqueur and one that's kind of like an, an Aperol alternative. Um, those are really interesting. I haven't tried those yet, but they're on my list. Um, but I'm working my way through these ritual ones. And I, what I like about them is they are marketed as like whiskey alternative. So it's like a flavored water and it has like a smoky flavor and a caramel flavor and just kind of all the same notes that you would experience drinking bourbon or whiskey, but they have infused it into the water. And so, and it has like the same like caramel coloring, um, like, and I think it's natural. It's not like added. Um, and if you sip it, it, it has the viscosity of water 
and I feel like that's the thing that I noticed the biggest difference in is that it's just alcohol has like a slightly different texture and you wouldn't really think about alcohol having a texture but it 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 has the the mouthfeel gross word of water <laughs> and uh but it's good it you can mix it into drinks just the same way that you would mix regular bourbon so you could you can make an old fashioned with it if you would like, or you can, you know, add some bitters, um, or you can make a whiskey sour, or you could make a um, a Moscow mule with bourbon, or like a Kentucky mule. Uh, like there's so many ways you can use it, just like one for one. So they have a gin alternative, a tequila alternative, a rum alternative, and a whiskey alternative. I think that's I think that's all they have right now, and I have all of them. And I'm just sort of like working my way through them. But um, another brand that's really popular is Seedlip. S-E-E-D-L-I-P and they have their spirits are more like they're not marketed as alternatives they're just like this one's infused with cloves and lemon and, and just they just sound really nice um, and you could mix any of them with like ginger ale or a club soda or whatever mixer you would like to imbibe and you know you can be creative add lime juice or orange juice or uh, whatever Bless your boat. I feel like that they're actually really fun to mix with because you have these sort of like flavor bases to play with. So I, I'm really having fun with them and I have enjoyed having friends over who don't want to imbibe and just be like, well, I have something for you. <laughs> you want me to make you a mocktail? And they're like, oh, yeah, that would be great. And then they're always like, this is so weird. It feels like I'm drinking, but I'm not drinking. So it's um, it's always nice to have those on hand and I'm really really having fun with mixing with them for sure yeah I love that um and like I said there's there's also um gosh we had this syrup at the restaurant and I can't remember what the brand was um but it's a non-alcoholic like cocktail syrup um Mm. and you can and like and there's all sorts of different brands that make them there's some that make like old-fashioned syrups and stuff like that and like in theory they're kind of intended so that you can like quickly make a cocktail but if you mix them with a non-alcoholic mixer um you know club soda tonic water ginger ale sprite like anything like that um they have a lot of those same flavor notes that you would still get in a cocktail um and so like that's also a great thing that you can keep in your pantry um or your bar or whatever um if you don't want to keep like the zero proof liquors like there's just there's so many different ways like this world is so creative and i it, it makes me happy to see a lot of a lot more um restaurants embracing serving like really nice mocktails or non-alcoholic drinks again that aren't just like here's your here's your sad tonic water with nothing in it um and like making them look really beautiful um like we were even at three dots and a dash in chicago which is a tiki bar last week and they had a non-alcoholic option on their menu um which i thought was really great so um it I love it when restaurants have non-alcoholic options. And it was like, right, it was right there with the other drinks. Like it wasn't like, oh, here's like the section for little kids. It was like, it was marked very clearly as non-alcoholic, but it was like right in there with all of the other drinks, so you didn't feel like you would be missing out if you ordered it. I actually would have ordered it if it had something in it that I thought was disgusting. So that's a reason I did not order it. It 
I, I can't remember what it was, but um, otherwise I would have gotten it because um, I was just so impressed. I think it had uh, cocoa nibs in it. Oh, yeah, that's exactly it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, cocoa nibs, disgusting. I don't want that. Um, but <laughs> I would have enjoyed it, but. Me too. Yeah, so I don't know. There's just so many ways if you, um, obviously, like, I am deeply embedded in the restaurant um, community, and so I'm pretty vocal about, you know, when I talk to my like, my bartender friends and stuff, like, about coming up with different ideas. Um also, like, if you yeah. are the person at a bar, um, and it is, like, it is not just, like, a uh, <laughs> your neighborhood watering hole situation, but it is, like, a nicer restaurant or a nicer bar, um, and you don't see anything on the menu, like, don't be afraid to ask. Like, I did at the restaurant at Cabra, like, there wasn't anything listed on the menu, so I just asked, like, do you have anything that you can do? And they were able to make something really nice for me. So a lot of times, you know, bartenders, yes, they make their living from mixing together alcohols, but they have a great flavor palette. They know what's going to taste good. They know what's behind their bar. And so I've had customers ask me like, Hey, I'm sober. Can you mix me up something? And we're able to put them put together something for them. Um, zero judgment, absolutely zero judgment. Um, so, you know, again, like hopefully you're with people that you feel comfortable. Um, but even if you just kind of got to slip up to the bar and say like, hey, do you have anything that you can make for me? A lot of times they'll be able to mix you something custom that will still be super tasty. Yeah, I would say, too, if you find yourself with a neighborhood watering hole where they're like, you're like, I don't know that they would even be able to help me. Like, it might be good to have a non-alcoholic drink in mind that like you would be comfortable being seen with like maybe you get like a diet coke with lime like if so you know it will come with a garnish so just asking for those things so that you don't feel uncomfortable you just have like a go-to that like if if I'm in a place that doesn't have options for me like what will I ask for and just have mm-hmm. that in your back pocket 100%. 100% there's also so many like zero proof wine and beer brands now too like that I'm I'm excited about like it's, it's such an exciting like time in this industry <laughs> <laughs> right right uh, I have a friend who's pregnant who was telling me about um a beer that she discovered recently and it, I know that there's one called um, Glutenberg uh that's a like gluten-free beer and I I can't remember if it has alcohol um but I think I think they have an non-alcoholic option but anyway it's like just there's so many options now it's really cool yeah yeah so you know hopefully <laughs> You are, you know, with, hopefully you're able to surround yourself with people. Like if you are, you know, living a life where you are choosing not to drink and uh, hopefully, you you know, when you're going out, you are around people that you feel comfortable just like being open about like, hey, I would like something non-alcoholic, but I mean, I would just love for that to just be more normal. Yeah, for sure. And also, like, you shouldn't have to be apologetic about what no. your choice is there. And hey, your remember, friends should hey, not remember be our, about it. <laughs> right. Remember, remember our episode about how we don't apologize for things? <laughs> this is one of the things that we don't apologize for. We're not going to apologize for... Yeah, you're not like, being difficult. Like, no. You, you have a preference or a need. Like, go with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's no, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm not drinking tonight. Can I, No, just... 
hey, what do you have? I mean, if your friends are your friends and they're still going to want to hang out with you. Yes. And if they don't want to hang out with you because you don't want to drink, they suck. Right. <laughs> you like, need new friends. I think that that's so true. Like, and it's true of many, many things. Like, if your friends are judging you for not drinking and they're, like, and you don't want to drink for any any reason whatsoever and they are pushing you and they're asking questions that are making you uncomfortable, they might not actually really be your friends. <laughs> like, I'm just... I'm just I'm with you. Because your true friends are going to support you and whatever, like, you're doing for your well-being. Mental, also, physical, like, emotional. You, sh- you should be able to have fun with your friends without alcohol. Like, that should yeah. be the baseline. And then if you want to add in alcohol later, then great. But... You yes. should be able to have a good com- have a good conversation and laugh without needing alcohol to help. Yes, absolutely. It's just so rare. It's like so rare for me to like be drinking with my friends actually. Like unless we're going out to like a restaurant or bar that has like really great cocktails. Unless your friend makes you go to the tiki bar in Chicago. <laughs> that was so it was delicious. It was extremely fun and extremely delicious. But like unless it's like something like that. Like I'm trying to think of the last time that Megan and I were just like together and we're like, yeah, we're gonna drink some wine. It's not very often. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. And then usually we don't like like because usually we have Prosecco and then we don't finish the bottle. So it's <laughs> right, in my fridge each, for like three weeks. We each have like a drink and then we're like, yeah. Yes. I should really buy smaller bottles. I know. I know. I need them. Make champagne vinegar. With a little little (laughs) accidental champagne vinegar. You're like, oops. Oopsies. I'm done. We all have. We have all been there. Um, So, yeah. Susanna, it's always great to talk to you. I know it sounds weird maybe to have a cocktail blogger on to talk about not drinking. (laughs) But But you know what? I think that's good. I think not to pat ourselves on the back. But, like, (laughs) yes, Susanna makes a lot of her income from talking about cocktails. But, like, even as a cocktail blogger, you have great boundaries around drinking. You are constantly thinking about putting non-alcoholic drinks on your site and sharing those with your readers and with your friends. So I think, I think that you are a really great example of balancing drinking culture with supporting the needs for yourself, your family and your friends, wherever they're at in that particular sphere. So good on you, Susanna. We have great (laughs) friends. Good us. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely really try to like, make sure I always add a like non-alcoholic option. Like, it's not always possible, but when it is, I try to mention it. And like, I don't know. I think people would be surprised. I really don't drink that much for a cocktail blogger, but it just, yeah, you know, I have the boundaries and it's also my job. So like, I don't want to be drinking all the time. <laughs> so. Right. It's constantly in a state of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So but I love trying new things. So I'm, I'm really happy about the low and no alcohol movement. It's really exciting. Uh, Susanna, what's bringing you joy this week? Hmm, I would say, okay, so a few months ago, I signed up for a sticker subscription. And it, like, at first, I felt like I was five years old, but it actually has been like, really exciting to like every month I get a pack of stickers in the mail and I put them in my planner. And it like, it, it seems like really stupid at the time. But 
it is it really brings me joy every month and so I got a new set recently and it had some some plant stickers and some book stickers and I'm just like I don't know it just brings out my inner kid and I love it and I highly recommend it if you like stickers too it's called pip sticks is the name of the subscription oh I love their stickers they're so cute Love I was getting something out of my closet the other day and I found like I have so many stickers from when I was like one of the people who constantly put like a thousand stickers in their planner Mm -hmm. and I just have so many left over now and I'm like oh I'm not using these adorable stickers so I need to get back to sticking them somewhere I guess yeah I was never a planner sticker person and then uh-huh. I got the subscription and now I'm like every week I'm excited to use my planner because I get to look at the stickers that I put in and then I get to like spend five minutes putting stickers in it. And it's just <laughs> like, it's made me want to use the planner. So it's, it's actually had a really positive effect in my life. I love that. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> Steffi, what's bringing you joy? Um, so while we were, <laughs> while we were in Chicago last week, um, my, younger cousin she had her graduate art show she's graduating with her master's in drawing and painting or something along those lines um from the school of the art art institute so her graduate art show was last weekend while just in it like coincidentally while we were in the city and so i got to go to that and (laughs) um let me tell you a tale of haunted teeth real quick so um when Susanna came to town, um, she flew in from North Carolina. She came to Bloomington. We hung around town um, and we went to uh, what uh, Megan and I kind of fondly refer to as the witchy store here in town. It's called the Painted Wraith. And I walked in and I was like, this is the perfect place to buy my cousin Liz a graduation present because she is the type of person. One time she went to an antique store with my mom and she left with a picture of a dead baby. Um, she's like routinely had just like random animal skulls, just like as decoration in her house. So she's just that kind of person. And I ended up buying her. Uh, there were many options. Um, I considered getting her a formaldehyde mouse in a jar, but decided against anything that could look at me um and ended up going with an antique dental cast um and she was fucking delighted by it and also her dad my uncle he was at the show and i mean her whole family was but my uncle who is also an artist was in particular also very delighted by the haunted teeth so um that's amazing my weird little family (laughs) (laughs) My weird I mean, just to be clear, they weren't actual teeth. No, they weren't actual teeth. Mold. It was like, it, yeah, it was like the mold of the teeth. And then it had like this, uh, you know, like, like uh, screws in it. Or something. Yeah, it was really interesting. It had it had like a hinge. Um, so it kept them together and it could like open. But then it like had a screw. So you could like almost like set them as far open as you wanted. Um, and I mean, New I'm not even sure. Holder. Yeah, it was really, <laughs> uh, uh, Liz, I don't know what Liz will use them for. That would be a, 
interesting idea um i mean they were pretty cool so they weren't like actually teeth i just have been jokingly referring to them as her haunted teeth um (laughs) but she was just so delighted by them and her reaction made me so happy and just the fact that i have such a weird little family of artists and musicians that (laughs) that's the sort of thing that literally none of them thought was a weird thing for me to buy liz they were like yeah that is absolutely 100 liz she will love that so that that uh that made me quite happy also she's very very talented and it was it it was wonderful to be able to go um support her and see her and uh see her show so that was super great uh megan how about you uh so when we were on the train back from chicago i listened to a recent episode of the iway podcast hosted by jamila jamil and her guest was mike shore (gasps) who was the creator of The Good Place and other shows. And it was a delightful episode. Uh, They talked a lot about certain aspects of the show, um, especially the trolley problem. They talked about that a lot. And uh, it just was really nice to listen to. And that reminded me that I've been meaning to rewatch The Good Place. And so (laughs) I watched the whole first season on Sunday. Uh, And then I've been watching it uh, since then. And it is still such a delightful show she's just been randomly texting me lines from the show yes also bob has been watching it with me for like some of it like he didn't watch it last night but the night before he was watching it with me and like he's just sitting there like giggling at certain parts (laughs) has he never watched (laughs) it before he has yes but he watched it um later like he watched it like by himself later after it had already aired all the episodes Mm -hmm. um he wasn't like into it like we were when it was airing right uh and so it's fun to watch shows with him like that because he just gets really giggly uh like i'm sure if we watched like the office together he'd probably just be sitting there giggling um so yes i'm on season three already and because the seasons are really short and i'm already like sad about how it's gonna be over soon but it's such a good show and i think i i definitely Rewatched it during the pandemic along with Parks and Rec. Um, and it's kind of like a nice reminder of like the way the world should be, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. aside from like all the stupid fart jokes. Uh, I mean, but there's a lot I'm of not really saying that stuff. there shouldn't be those in the world either. Right. <laughs> we need fart jokes. We need the levity. We need the levity. Right. Um, but it's like a good, like, not like a deep thing on philosophy, but a, like a nice overview. And um, oh, the, one of the reasons that Mike Sure was a guest on her show is because he wrote a book on philosophy. Oh. Um, oh. And it's called How to Be Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so I think I might have to check out that book from the library. Yes. I'm sure it would also bring me joy. So I'm sure it would. Love that. So next week... As a reminder, we will be talking about Tired as Fuck. I'm excited. Reminder, it is not I'm fucking tired. It is Tired as Fuck. (laughs) So until then, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on all your favorite platforms. You can also follow us on social media at IRSI Podcast or send us an email at I'd Rather Stay in Podcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from our listeners. Bye.